Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Cheltenham with the Betfair Exchange. It's all leading to the first race on day one and the roar at the off. Bet 20 on the first race. Get a £20 free mobile bet on the Betfair Exchange. Minimum £20 in exchange back bets. Max £20 free bet. Not valid on each way and SP bets mobile only. Excludes anti-post bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. The Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. It's here, it's in sight, and the only corona that we're worried about is how much of it is going to be stocked at the Cheltenham bars or whatever pub it is that you decide to frequent during the Cheltenham Festival. I cannot wait for the greatest show on turf and the biggest week of sport. And on the Final Furlong Podcast, we've assembled an all-star team for four individual podcasts previewing all four days and a bonus special interview with Danny Mullins, which is available for you to listen to now on AtTheRaces.com and all podcast apps. He goes in-depth into all of the leading Mullins team and the Mullins novices as well. At this podcast, obviously, we're looking at day one. And we've brought out the big guns. Final Furlong Podcast legend, Mr. Rory Delargy, back for more. Certainly am. Pleasure to be here. And the man, the myth, the legend, the one that you have been tweeting me about constantly saying, when is he back on the show? Today is the day he returns. It's Tony Keenan. Hello all and happy Cheltenham, I suppose it is at this stage. We can we can say that, but it's we're basically at the door of it. We really are. You're now a father, so you have of two children, I should say. So <laughs> so now you've got extra responsibilities, but also writing for at the races.com and you are going to be doing your daily tipping column for at the races.com, which is free throughout all four days of the festival. I am, yeah. It's 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 uh, yes yeah, uh, Hugh Taylor on one side and Simon Rowlands on the other side you, uh, talk about you, you imposter and inferiority complexes all day long but you know, I sit down with a bit of a study and pick a couple of winners from the Irish point of view of things anyway uh, not so sure about the English form I'm going to be quite open about that um, I would be intending to stay away from races with, their, uh, with the majority of the field are English runners and concentrating on ones with the Irish horses are, whether it be strong positives or strong negatives that's the thinking anyway but next week in mind I can speak for all Final Forum Podcast listeners when I say that your content is gold and do not do yourself down when it comes to being beside the two icons of tipping Hugh Taylor and Simon Rollins your place 
place is well deserved and no pressure on you for next week <laughs> racing's leading website let's get to it let's find out who the team think is going to win the opening race and indeed each race at the festival for our day one preview of Cheltenham 2020 Tony we'll start with you your thoughts on the supreme novices hurdle my preference is for Asterian for Lange it's going to be a good ease in the ground what I like about him is I think he has borderline the best form and probably the most scope to improve and he sort of fell in a bit the first day when he won his bumper I think it was in Torless then he was um, very impressive in Nice finishing actually I think from two out um, he was quicker than um, in violin it was the same card uh, sections were a little bit quicker and then he's absolutely won very easily in Epperstown beating two horses in easy work and um Mount Leinster, who came into it in very good form, having done good times, looked to be broadly suited to conditions, and so on. Now, look, the concern with him is the jumping out to the right, but I'm, I'm, he's not four to six. You know, he, he looks at the best form to my mind. Um, I'd like to see Paul Townend go out and make a, a proper test on him and try and pass me type of thing. Other little concern, I suppose, is Mullins crowd don't seem to have that enthused about him um, all season long. Like He's not like a Vateur or Duvan where they sort of had the Supreme Horse maybe picked out from a way out. But he's just improving with racing. Classical Dream took a massive jump from his maiden hurdle at Christmas to Dublin Racing Festival again to Cheltenham last year. And if this lad does that or improves even a little, I think he's going to be very hard to beat. Can't really knock massively um, Shishkin. Like he, he's looked very good, but he just hasn't achieved as much as the Staring Falange and um, is broadly uh, the same price. And Staring Falange also did something that's quite difficult the last day. He, he went from having run in a maiden hurdle to winning first time out in a grade one in February. He was coming up against horses that were, you know, had the graded form and ha- had the had the proven form and more experience. Sort of very impressed with that. So I, I'd be happy enough with him at the moment. And at this ground, sounds like it's going to be ideal from, and he's just going to have enough ease probably to do him. That would be my take on that. I am absolutely ecstatic that you have led off with Asterion Prolonge because I think that he's exactly the mould of a William Mullins supreme horse as well in that he's got that champagne fever classical dream front running style that really suits Cheltenham as well and I think he's made for the race Rory Delargy, music to my ears so that Tony's going for Asterion Falange. but what is your thoughts on the supreme and particularly the head of the market? I think Asterion Falange is a really really good um, prospect I'm not mad about him in the supreme though um, and it's very interesting that when he um, when he ran in his bumper, uh, Paddy Mullins got off him and said he's a stayer. And um, Woody Mullins said exactly the same thing about him after he won his, his novice hurdle. He's going to want much further in time, and that's that's a worry here. We saw him do it at Leperstein, and and they went they went a really proper gallop that day. They went hard, and he kept going. I don't think he was quickening at the end of that race, but he was. The fact that he wasn't letting up shows that he's got a, a lot of potential down the line. I went back and watched his point to point the other day at Old Town, and he jumped right there as well. And obviously, he jumped right at Leopardstown. And if you watch Ruby's um, track walk um, with Lydia Hislop, um, he talks about how you don't want to be jumping the hurdle before they turn out, out to the back straight. You don't want to be going right at that because you can lose a lot of ground doing it. Um, it's quite a tight turn and others will be trying to, to get up your inside and, and take the turn quickly. Uh, that worries me. It's interesting you mentioned Champion Fever because he's obviously, he seems to have a lot in common with Champion Fever mm. um, in terms of his, his looks and probably his size as well. He look, you know, he looks like he's a horse he's going to need another year uh, in terms of uh, physical development. Uh, Champion Fever always looked like that as well. So before he won the bumper, I thought, well, this whatever this does when it finishes midfield or out the back in the bumper, he'd be a lot better horse next year. Um, he didn't look anywhere near ready to be running in a race like that. He was clearly still growing. 
But yeah, I, th- I, I think I like him as a prospect. I think Willie's clearly very keen to take Shishkin on. I like I like that um, uh, that you've got um, the one owner with with the two heavyweight Cheltenham trainers um, going head to head. And I wonder whether we talked that up a little bit too much because of that, because uh, you know Shishkin has has been visually impressive um, in a couple of starts at Newbury and then at um, at Huntington without having to beat an awful lot and. Um, I've, I've heard an awful lot of people talking about Huntington as a as a track to prep horses at. In that there've been um, there've been a lot of horses who've who've had their previous run to the to the, the festival at Huntington and not gone and won. Um, and yes, but it's a ter- it's a terrible record, hasn't it? It's, it's like the it English is. it's like the English Gorham Park. Gorham Park's not great usually for trail and Cheltenham horses. Yeah, I, I don't really know exactly why. I mean, obviously, it's a very different track. I don't think that's half the issue. You don't. Um, you don't have um, grade one races at Huntington. Um, mm. I think a lot of trainers um, who who prep there are, are looking for um, easy-ish opportunities. Um, I do remember Brown's Gazette before he won the Supreme went to Huntington. He actually fell at the last uh, before he won the Supreme. That's going back a fair while, mind you. I'm not mad on on, on digging out um, that stat because there are always going to be horses who can um, who can turn it around. And obviously both both Willie and, um, and Nicky Henderson have their own ways of, of prepping horses for races like this. They'll often um, go against, you know, uh, the traditional trends and stats. I'd be, I think I'd be against Asterion for launch at the trip on that basis, although if he's going to win it, he's, he's going to win it in champion favour style. He's going to go at his top pace pretty much from the start uh, and drag the stamina out of the others. And the question is, who's going to be able to, um, to sit close to him and be able to produce something up the hill? Um, and it might just, you know, for a horse who's clearly got a lot of speed, that might test Shishkin, I suppose. Uh, Chantry House, similarly for, for Henderson, he's going to go for the race. He's got a very good turn of foot. And it might well be that you, you need more of a stare um, if it is going to be run that way. I'd probably see Fiddler on the Roof as the most solid selection in the race. Because um, a test of stamina at this trip is not going to be a problem for him. He, 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 um, he was impressive in the Tollworth. He got through background there and, and stayed on strongly up the hill at Sandown. Uh, which is very important. I can see him doing the same here. Um, he's got he's got the requisite experience. He's been running in in decent races. He's a bigger price than he should be on um, on profile. You know, if you if you start from scratch with your what do you look for in a Supreme Novices Hurdle winner and what kind of races they should be running in, you you'd have him at a shorter price than he is at the moment. Um, he's he's definitely running here. He's eight point six on the on the exchange at the moment. I think that's very reasonable. Um, there are, again, as, as Tony says, there are interesting horses at bigger prices in here. I'm not in love with with um, uh, the preparation of one or two of them. Captain Guinness looked like a horse who was who you wanted to be with last time out, and I think he's a horse of of um, serious potential. But he's he's coming here with virtually no experience. Mm-hmm. He was on his maiden hurdle at Navan and was impressive there, and um, he looked the best horse against Andy Andy Dufresne at um, at Punchestown. And most people said. You know, if, if these two meet again, I'd want to be with Captain Guinness next time out. Um, and he's clearly got a lot of scope to improve. But to come to Cheltenham on the back of that, with no more experience under his, his belt, is a big question mark. It's clearly the way Henry de Bromhead likes doing it, because he's doing it with, um, he did it with Manila Indo and the Albert Bartle last mm. year. Manila, Manila Indo again this year. So he doesn't mind bringing them there on the back of a couple of runs. But there was plenty of opportunity to get him another, another win under his belt, I thought. Before yeah, there's, there's, Henry, there's Henry seems to, as you say, likes to, to come with them fresh um, to Cheltenham. Maybe it's better long-term that he does that, maybe no, not to win this time around. The, the little worry I had with him, uh, I think Kevin Kevin Blake had a good piece up there. He, he did sort of, he made a move 
off a sort of slow pace early going down the hill and punched it and he actually got loose on Rachel it was rare time now she probably wasn't seen at her finest um, and he, he stole five or six lengths on them yeah. so maybe maybe, maybe that, that flattered him a little bit and also do you know what I thought I don't know Rory what you think of this I thought it was a massive negative that they sort of pulled Cheltenham sticks with Andy Dufresne very early they didn't leave him in the Supreme they took him out of everything yeah, exactly. and I said to myself Jesus what's going on there like the, the they mustn't think much of him if they're pulling him out at this stage. And then he sort of did flop. He, he was a bit disappointing at Nace the next day. So that would put a little hole in his form for me, allowing that, look, he looked brilliant in, in Navin. I think he made well a one, um, even if, if the black bow hadn't fallen and did plenty wrong upon town. But just the Andy Dufresne thing would be at the back of my head. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you want to see Captain Guinness run again to confirm the promise that he showed last time before you'd you'd be able to back him with um, with huge confidence. But he does, you know, he's clearly got a lot of talent, but I'm I'm not loving his preparation, and it's difficult to be really confident about um, what figure to put on that run of punches down. I'm very interested in what Rory had to say about Fiddler on the Roof because I see him as the biggest threat as well, and. Actually, in my opinion, he should be shorter than Shishkin, Tony. Am I completely oh, bonkers yeah, there? Yeah. Have I had no, too much no, caffeine? He is lucky. He is the grade one form. As Rory says, he was, near, he was quick and nearly in the finish up the Zandown Hill, which is a, is a fair achievement. Um, we have a little worry about, you know, Jeremy's flame. What What, what is she? She's disappointed afterwards. Admittedly, she had excuses that she hampered. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would have respect for him. He, he would be one to be worried about. Tony, you and I are both with Asturian Forlange. I think we're both reasonably confident. Rory is bursting our bubble. Rory, is your bet Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah, Fiddler on the Roof would be the bet. But I think he's a, I think he's a really solid um, each-way bet because I can see a few of these being taken out of the comfort zone. But however this, this race is run, will be fine for Fiddler on the Roof. And I think he runs a decent race. Why don't we do the reverse forecast or the box exacta, as Matthew Taylor wrote about for attheraces.com recently with Toad Betting. You can also do that with Better, obviously. Asterian Furlonge and Fiddler on the Roof to finish first and second to get us off to the dream start in the Supreme Novices Hurdle with Nicky Henderson's horse out the back of the telly because he is a awful record in the race. How many winners? Pop quiz. Tony Keenan, how many winners has Nicky Henderson had in this race since 1993? Ah, three. Rory? Uh, One. Is exactly right. Oh, God. One one of the greatest horses of all time, Altior. He got binocular beaten in this race, getting a weight for age allowance, and Sprinter Sacra. That's an awful record. The Arkell Chase Notebook is favourite for Henry de Bromhead and Rachel Blackmore. They could be set for a fantastic festival. Declan Ricks is doing an article with... Rachel Blackmore exclusively for attheraces.com and she's second favourite to be top jockey at Cheltenham so make sure you check that out at cheltenham.attheraces.com or on the At The Races main site as well you can get 4.0 right now on the Bedford Exchange 11 to 4 is the general price Fakir Duderi 5.21 on the exchange 4 to 1 on old money Richard Johnson will ride Bruno Storm for Ollie Murphy 5 to 1 on old money uh, you can get 7.0 on the exchange and then cash back who I think it's fascinating 6 to 1 with the sports books but on Betfair you can get 8.84 Tony Keenan the Arkle uh, I'm actually feeling I'm the most boring person going into the festival this year I'm actually fancying horses at the front end of the market um, uh, you get stick for that but anyway that's a whole discussion for another day. Like, 
I think Nupka could definitely be a little bit shorter here. Um, sort of on the clock, like his third best run is as good as anything the rest of them have done. Like his winning the Bunchestown graded race. Um, is, is as good as some of the, most of what the rest of them have done um, his Christmas run is probably better than the one at Dublin Racing Festival I think there's a couple of reasons for that there's a thing about him getting a bit wound up beforehand they also think the softer ground um, at Christmas uh, at Christmas probably suited him um, look I think the thing about this boiling over beforehand has come into his price a little bit too much there is a chance of it happening Um but it's a very hard thing to put a price on. Um, and it's a more, I, personally, I would find this a thing, you look at it after the race, he boiled over, you can forgive it the next day. But saying now, like, is it a 50% chance of it happening, 10%, is whatever, I, I don't know. But there's, there's horses that have gone into this having won the two Leperstown grade ones that have been much shorter than him and he's been incredibly impressive, you know, in both of them. Um, his jumping is excellent. He jumped a little bit right at Christmas, but that seemed correct with the last day. He seems to be an idle sort of a horse that doesn't do much when he hits the front. What's what's sort of not to like? Obviously, you can, hold, you can hold your horses and you can sort of say, I want to see him go down to the start and see as he lost the plot. Get that and take a little bit shorter, fair enough. But I think he's a, he's a pretty good bet at, um, he's three to one there. Just to, to talk about some of those, like Fakir Dudery, um, I can see the case that things didn't go his way at Christmas. You know, he, he, he they didn't front run with him and he got into a bit of a bother on the torn in and Mark Walsh lost an iron do you know what I just sort of think if he gives notebook a lead notebook would have beaten him further so do uh, I. we haven't got anyone near the, near the bottom of notebook yet and obviously the, the, the massive angle with Facker versus Christmas is that he now hasn't got the £7 weight allowance now obviously people say oh wait for age sure he, he will have progressed enough in the meantime to make that up I don't really believe that because he was a horse to me that was made for the weight for age early on in the season because he was really experienced. He had a massive experience edge for, than a typical um, four-year-old would have had in the early part of the season like when he was racing against Mellon and Sam Crow. Because like, he had run in chases in France and he had loads of runs over hurdles. Like, he wasn't like your typical horse that had very few runs. Like He's now up to you know uh, 13 runs at this stage, which, which for, for horses' ages is, is, is a hell of a lot. So I don't really see that the progress angle with him, especially not, and, and obviously since they've changed the weight for age in the UK, you know, the five-year-olds have really struggled in this race brewing up a storm again I'd be interested in Rory's thoughts on, on this horse um, I thought his jumping though the, the last day wasn't anything wonderful but I, I know he's been very good on the clock what, what he has sort of tended to struggle is when he's gone up in grade listed races are better his, his form figures is 4-4 four, four, fell 4-2 four, and, and I thought the preparation was was a little bit weird allowing that he, he has run against some good horses and beaten them Rory what did, what did you reckon on him? Uh, I didn't like his preparation I have to say I mean he, he was due to run in the Kingmaker at, at Warwick but missed that with a setback um, and then um, Ollie Murphy said he's not worried about about taking him there fresh um, because he's he's always gone well fresh in the past I liked him a lot as a novice herder I backed him um, in the um, in the Ballymore last year uh, I thought he got stuck on the ground a bit um, last season and that would be a concern for me as well he's got a good turn of foot and I think he'd be a better horse on goodish ground but again people look at very carried away by his form Yes, he's he's produced um, he's produced good um, good speed figures, um, but he's been doing that in an environment where he's able to express himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he won he won first time out. He pulled it out of the fire a bit of Carlisle, I suppose, uh, and then the, se- the second race was a match to all intents and purposes. And you can't be warming up for a race like the Arkle, um, running in in um, you know what are essential essentially speed tests at home. You've got to be racing against other horses. Um, he, he traveled well for a fair way. 
at the festival last year. But I think this is one of those scenarios where the trainer's making the right noises now about the fact that he's he's best fresh and that's the way he wants to keep him because mm, yeah, um, not because he's he's hugely potent fresh, but he's worried that if he gives him another run, he'll be finding holes in him. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and he's um, you know I think he he's clearly got a lot of talent. He's been too short in the market for this for a long time. Yeah, and and he see he just seems to be getting shorter and shorter. Like he's yeah. general five to one shot at this point. I I thought he was a bit short now. I suspect it has a lot to do with. Shotland preview notes. I do. I do think people at this t- time of the year, um, like obviously things are analysed to death. Like the Iron Claim just, just want something to take on favourites with. Um, mm. But you know, sometimes the favourite that is three to one should be two to one, seven to four, things like that. I think there are a couple of examples of that at the meeting where that where that may be the case. I, I do think Notebook might be one of them. The other one I would throw into the mix. The official ratings all sort of come out there the day after the entries. And one, actually, the top rated in the, in the race is Notebook. These handicappers, they get all this sort of crap from people with ratings and weights and all. They're very thorough and they do a very good job. Rouge Viff is, is 157 pound behind Notebook. And I was kind of impressed with him the last day. In um, He won the Kingmaker. He, very impressive the first day when he won his, his, his chase debut. Then he went to Cheltenham and he was disappointing in, in the put the kettle on race. Didn't run absolutely terribly, deplorably or anything like that, but had had a win a breeding operation afterwards. So I'm inclined to sort of give that there was a reason. Then he's come back of a six-week break and ran well behind Global Citizen in Canton. And then he's gone to Warwick and they put the tongue tie on and he just looks an even better horse again. He's hammered Nubinegra, kicked him out of the way. Um, goodish sort of time. Jumps well. He doesn't want... Really bad ground, so it seems to be the ground is coming from him. And he he's twenty three, twenty four on the machine. Yeah, I think that's a that that's a bit of a wild price now for the horse. You can hammer him on the bad run in Cheltenham, but there does seem to be an excuse for it. There's also a reason for the improvement, the breeding operation combined with the tongue tie, and um, has has the times. And yeah, I I I, I thought there was a few in between him and, and the favourite now that I'd be much less keen on, and and he he was interesting. Um, albeit he's a much shorter price with with the bookies. Um, but he's big on the machine. Yeah, on the Betfair Exchange. What, what price are you seeing there in the Betfair Exchange right now? Twenty-four. So when we were analysing, when we were doing the weekend review, I was saying this fella has to be a serious player, surely for the twenty-five point oh. He's just gone on the Betfair Exchange. Give me a bit of that, please. Thank you very much. Um, that he has to be a serious player for for the Arkle, the way he thumped Nube Negra and a fast-paced Arkle. Would would be right up his street. I, I've no issue with him going for the marsh, but this is where he would. This this is where he's going to go. Ground is coming in his favour, and just everything seems to be right for him. So, I've got news for you. We're we're in agreement here. Um, I do respect Cashback. What's your thoughts on him? I don't really see why he would reverse the form with Oatbook. That's the um, problem. I think uh, I, I think Willie has said that Cashback wants soft ground. Uh, not really seeing that in his form. I think Notebook would be more suited to be soft ground than him. I think Notebook's a better jumper than him. And then there's going to be a hell of a lot of pace in this. But the sounds of things, <laughs> Joseph and the JP crowd are going to find out now. But Facker here, because it sounds we're not going to be riding him like the last day. He's going to be trying to make it. You know whether he can head hit cashbacks and another thing. Torpillo's another one that's up there. Myra Banry is another one. Um, what was the, put the kettle on and you know Notebook while he has been up there the last couple of starts I don't think he needs to be I think he's happy enough tracking and Rouge Viff's another one that's just going to be dropped into a degree now um, you know, I, 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 I never really like a total hold up horse in a two mile race but neither of them are that and Global Citizen I suppose is another one that's, that's probably going to be up there too James Norris from The Weekender made his debut on the podcast on Thursday and a brilliant debut it was and he was saying that he was fancying cashback for the Arkle up until the Dublin Racing Festival because he backed him that day thought that he could beat Notebook 
and sees no reason why he would turn the form around a notebook. And the other point to make, which you have eloquently described, Tony, but just to go into a little bit more, the concern that people have about how worked up the horse gets. Rachel and Henry will have learned from the Dublin Racing Festival. I think it is something that's been factored into his price, the fact that he went a little bit bonkers and he should be significantly shorter. They may they may well know that he has the potential to go mental and he, and he may still go mental. <laughs> you, you know the old one with Michael Jordan, the, the boys all knew what way he was going to go when he was playing for the Chicago Bulls, didn't mean they could stop him. I think it's going to be, if he's going to lose the plot, he's going to lose the plot. But I just think it's a very hard thing to put a price on it. Uh, like, I don't go into a race saying, barring though one or two absolute nut jobs down the year, um, down the years, Michael Jarvis had one racked. He was ahead the ball, oh. um, and he was every every day he would he would do something, try to do something silly, and keeping the lid in him was was the key to thing. But yeah, I don't look at a, the typical race and say, "Well, geez, there's a horse now with temperament that could blow it on the way to the start." If it happens, it happens, and you kind of take your beating on it. But it it wouldn't be a top consideration for me, and I think it, it just seems to. It, it, I think in his price, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people just don't think his form is that good. But I, I think it's pretty good, and it, like those two Lapperstown graded races, the proper races, like compared to what brewing up a storm has run in, you know, different level of stuff. I think so too. I think 11-4 to 4 is pretty solid. Rory, how do you break this down and what is the attractive betting proposition to you right now? I agree largely about, about Notebook. We don't know exactly how he's going to react um, coming out of the um, out of the parade ring onto the course, but um, earplugs will help him to some degree. In terms of what he's achieved so far, he should be a shorter price than he is. And he's 4.3 to back on the on uh, Betfair at the moment. And that's very reasonable. And if he was a 7-4-2-1 shot, then, I, then I'd be looking for alternatives. And I did that, um, I did a piece in the race a few weeks ago and pretty much said I thought Notebook was, was absolutely rock solid in the race but um, looking for alternatives to the prices at the time the one horse who's got no love at all when you consider what he's achieved is, is Free de Large yeah I've seen I suppose it's out of sight out of mind stuff I know Simon Rowlands was keen on him um, did, did a pretty good comparative time relative to Defi Desai uh, although I suppose Newman Egbert let the form down a little bit but yeah he's another one that's going to sit off the pace I suppose there's talk about he needs to go right handed that's because he's had three runs over fences they've all been right handed but his best run over hurdles last season came at Utoxeter and his win in the Henry VIII was impressive. He carried an official rating of 144 into that. And, he, you know, you need to be a bit higher than that. But obviously he's gone up on the weights for it. But I think Newman Negras really let the form down subsequently. Uh, I think I think that's um, that's solid enough. Um, and it ties in with um, what Global Citizen did at Kempton next time out. I thought it was a solid performance. Not the kind of performance that would make me think he should be favourite for the race. But he's a grade one novice winner. And we're falling over ourselves to back, back a horse and brewing up a storm who won an egg and spoon race in a fast time at Taunton last time out. For me, that's largely irrelevant. You should be sticking with horses who are proven at the top level unless there's a reason why you would need to oppose them. And I think sometimes we're a little bit too clever about races like this. And Esprit de Large, I thought, it was, was a solid one. He's 14. He's always been aimed at the race. You might get a bigger price about him in the day because I've never I've never heard Evan Williams upbeat about it, the chances of, of <laughs> this horses on the day. Um, he's always, he, he, you know, he's, he signs um, just, you know, set for defeat every time you speak to him. He, he was very positive with this horse, Andy Posto, for this race. Um, he gave him three runs. He said he doesn't need any, doesn't need any more experience. Um, he's got three runs. He's won, in a grade, uh, he's won a grade one. So what else does he need to, to achieve in terms of experience for the Oracle? Um, so he gave him a long break and brought him back gradually to, to peak for this. I think that's absolutely fine. Certainly, I'm a lot happier about that than I would be by brewing up a storm who was due to have a prep and had to miss it. In terms of the others, Fakir Dudry, I, I agree entirely with Tony about the, the wait for age. You, you have to look at that in two, in two ways. Wait for age is there for a reason. And the question you have to ask yourself about Fakir Dudry is, is whether you think 
he's the type of horse who will have improved physically between Christmas and now. For me, the answer is no. And I don't mean that in, in a really negative way. I think he's I think he's a smashing horse. And I think with a more aggressive ride, he could be a player in this race. I always got the impression that um, that they wanted to step him up to two and a half um, fairly early on. But he, he is a player, but, you know, the, the turnaround in the weights is, is, a, is a big issue there. I think Notebook is is a, the type of horse to improve more than Fakir Dudri at this stage. When you consider what they were capable of over hurdles. I, I don't really like cashback. The, the one positive for cashback really is... Willie's recent record um, in the Oracle. Now, for ages, Willie couldn't get any, anything to get near um, the winner in the Oracle. Uh, and then he seemed to, things seemed to click from about five or six seasons ago. And since then, his record is exceptional in the race. But Cashback, I thought he had everything go his way last time out. Uh, he was picked up fairly easily by Notebook, and Notebook didn't seem to be at his best that day. So, also, Cashback seems to need to lead. And I've read something recently about there have been four or five all the way winners of this in recent years. There certainly haven't. There have been there have been two in the last 50 years. Oh, name and shame, I'm, Rory. And, and name I'm, and shame. You know, I'm not yeah. being really strict on that. I'm, you know, if you if you didn't take up the lead until after the first fence, I still count that as all the way because the run up to the first yeah. fence is just sorting yourself out. Yeah. But horses who've been in the lead and have have tried to make all the running, uh, undersoated it. Um, and the horse before undersoated to do it was Anna Glog's daughter. In, in 1980, it was when she won the Oracle, and it was a pretty bad Oracle that year, which is a smashing mare. Uh, but she made all the running and nothing really got into it behind. But you, I've watched every single article one evening I watched them all back to back um, nothing else has gone close to making all the running so while I'm sitting back binge watching Altered Carbon on Netflix you're watching reruns of every single article ever run yeah that's a lot more fun as well (laughs) 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 because of Analog's Daughter and the only other horse to do so Tony Keenan one of your first appearances on the show how did you describe Undeso a mad mad bastard I'd say was it yeah but like he's a special horse you know Iron Horse doesn't seem to be one that came in it that's going to be able to go out and, no. uh, and maybe make all in that manner if, if that's a, a good historical negative. That's a brilliant point then from Rory because there is no horse of the natural talent we think of on the show in here. Where is your money going to land then, Rory? Well, I, I'm happy enough with, with Notebook but the, the one bet I've had Andy Post is it's pretty large and I, I still think there's, there's juice in his price. Uh, at 14, 14.5. Final selection for the Arkle Challenge Trophy, Tony Keenan. Yeah, no, notebook and uh, a small few quid on Rouge Fifth. Roy Delargy. Uh, Esprit Delarge each way. Notebook for me. So our first taste of handicap races at the Cheltenham Festival 2020 comes in the three mile one furlong test on the old course, the Ultima Handicap Chase. Vindication is currently your favourite at around about six to one. You can get 7.5 currently on the Betfair Exchange. And this is the race. I got a message yesterday saying, please come to me first about this. I love this race. So take it away, <laughs> Tony Keenan. This will be a 10-second answer. This uh, this is one race I have absolutely no view on at all. Very thin on the Irish horses. Wouldn't be a great historic race for the Irish horses. Um, so I'm not even going to attempt to put something forward here because it would be a total guess-up. And I'm sure Rory's a great man for going into depth and knowing these, these top good handicappers. I'll let him take it away. And that's why I respect Tony Keenan so much. He's no spoofer. He doesn't waste your time. Well, if he doesn't have any interest in a race, he'll just go, nah, sorry. Pass. A couple of horses that would have jumped out at me in handicaps, but I've been taking the policy that have a good study of the greater race and wait till declaration stage for the handicaps because it just takes, to me, it takes a lot of time for what you're getting out of it, and they're, they're still bloody impossible. <laughs> 
spoke with Andrew Gemmel yesterday for TalkSport. What an absolute gentleman he is. Part owner of Disco Rama. Second favorite at 9.5, in fact, on the Betfair Exchange. Rory, handicaps are your speciality. You love these races. Sapage was your handicap bet of the meeting, and they've only gone and decided to go for this race instead of the plate. So what's your current thoughts on the Ultima? I don't much like it. I have to say the conditional will be very interesting um, he's he's so well handicapped I'll talk about Sapage because obviously I was very keen on him in the plate um, fundamentally because he is a front runner who is the perfect jumper of a fence that is he is lightning quick across a fence and quick away from it um, he's not spectacular you don't notice him he never, he never seems to get the call jumps well in his races but you watch where he is in comparison to others, particularly when he won last time out from, from uh, Spirit of the Games and Lawler, and he was gaining a length and a half at every single fence um, between taking off and getting that first stride away from it. That's, that's hugely important to me. But stepping up to, um, to an extended three miles looks a massive negative, especially if they decide to change the tactics. And that's what, what often happens. Um, he's, um, he's unproven beyond two mile five, so he's up a chunk and trip. And if they decide to hold him up, to get it, that would just be destroying his one big positive, which is his jumping. Because if you're making a length and a half at every fence, if, if you're reined back after every fence to save your stamina, you're not taking advantage of it, whereas he did it perfectly last time out. So that's that's off-putting for me. I'll probably end up having a couple of quid on him just because if he wins, then I'll be kicking myself if I if I have lost money in the race. I know the feeling. Um, I might even throw a couple of bob at Cogri. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, right now my each-way yeah. bet would be Cogri. The softer the ground, the better for him. He didn't always have a very good record at Cheltenham, but since he's been ridden by Sam or Willie Tristan Davis at the track, he's got an excellent record. He's never, he's um, rarely out of the places. Um, he's got three solid runs this season. He's still fairly handicapped on a mark of 1-4-3. Um, if it is pretty soft in the first day, it becomes a test of stamina. He'll run fairly well. But you're always looking for horses who are thrown in in these races. And it's not necessarily the case in, in festival uh, handicaps. Some of them, yes. Some of them, it's just a case of, of being able to show your form in a big field where wherever, you know, where there's no advantages to be had um, that you might get elsewhere. You know, is it... Front running, which would normally be an advantage, is difficult in certain races because everyone wants to be handy. Some races, it's just a case of surviving the first circuit and trying to get a position. So it's not always the best handicap horses that are winning. It's the horses that are best able to deal with it. Um, and he will deal with it very well. I'll go with you with Cogri. Rory, you didn't even mention the favourite vindication. Is he one of the worst favourites for the week? Um, I don't know. I'm not mad to take him on it. That's six or seven to one, but... He's very, very well found at the top of the market, and his one moderate run last season was was uh, was here. His best form is right-handed, um, so that's a, a bit of a concern. In fairness, Kim Billy's talking him up. He's he thinks he's got his strongest the strongest um, uh, team of horses for a long time. But then again, you know, if you look at, at Kim's record at Cheltenham generally over the last um, uh, fifteen years, it's not great. Mm. Um, he did he obviously had the winner of the plate a few years ago, but. Um, he has struggled a little bit at, at um, the big meetings at Cheltenham since the glory days. So, uh, vindication, yeah. I mean, if, if this was at Ascot, I'd be I'd be pretty sweet on him. Um, but he's got he's got a little bit to prove at Cheltenham. But then again, he's got a hell of a lot of class as well. So, I don't want to be laying him at, uh, at those prices. You'll probably get you'll probably get ten to one on the day about him. I would not be surprised if you're right there. I suspect that he will drift in the betting. Remember, we had this big gamble last year on, on the uh, on the Nichols horse. That's right. Who, who, who told everyone was the best handicap chaser in the yard and there everyone fell over themselves to back it. how did that work out again uh, he fell at the last when beaten 
Moving on. It's Cheltenham with the Betfair Exchange. It's all leading to the first race on day one and the roar at the off. Bet 20 on the first race. Get a £20 free mobile bet on the Betfair Exchange. Minimum £20 in exchange back bets. Max £20 free bet. Not valid on each way and SP bets mobile only. Excludes anti-post bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. The feature race of day one and it's a weekend off renewal. Uh, Epitante or Epitant. Take your pick. Barry Garrity confirmed to ride. The cough. We're not concerned. Seven to two is the general price about Epitante on the Betfair exchange. I think that coughing scare has done us all a massive favor, and we're getting a much bigger price than we should be. Pentland Hills, five to one. Okay, we'll move along. See Los Emery, they paid the 22 and a half grand. Uh, he's going to line up. He's a general eight to one shot. 9.0 is available in the Betfair exchange. And Daver Star. It's got a tweet from one of the members of his syndicate saying fair play to Jane Mangan for changing her mind about Daverstar and for Emma Kennedy for not Bismarcking him. You're welcome. You're very, very welcome. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Twelves. If Gavin Cromwell can win a second champion hurdle in a row, that would be some achievement. And Super Sunday tipped up by Tony Keenan on the Christmas Review Part 2 for this race at 25 to 1 has been the wise guy horse and is now 12s. Price is gone, Tony, isn't it? Well, thank fuck. I was trying to remember did he tip that horse or not because, um, yeah, that's good. That's good that I mentioned him at that time. Yeah, look, he was he was a, he was a grand price at that at that stage, obviously. Now, money queuing up to get on him at tens. I don't know. He he needs things to go his way. Um, he's a very good horse. He likes Cheltenham. He's won as many great ones as any horse in the field. But he he needs the leaders to go hard and probably too hard. He's actually, actually he would have run really well in last year's champion hurdle with the traditional way it was run. Would, would have set up from, but is that going to transpire this year? I, I don't really know. Shouldn't he have run in the last two champion hurdles? I, I kind of think there's a bit of trainer error going on here and, and they have sort of admitted that. Like He he definitely should have run. I, I suppose they were trying to try the, the, the stairs hurdle after the time they beat Faheen in the Irish champion and then Apple's Jade probably scared them off last year he, she should beat them so far um, at Dublin Racing Festival so that's probably what was going on there but look I, I think the X factor here is the possibility that blinkers are going to be applied um, now that's all or nothing stuff he, he could finish he could finish up he could may not take to them at all but you know what could be, he just looks like the sort of horse that might take them take to them He'd still be my selection, but I wouldn't be charging into back him at 10 to 1. It's such a difficult race, and I can talk about others here. I would agree that Appleton is no bad price at all. Just thinking about the coffin. Like Nicky Henderson has had a couple of cases of horses having late scares, and they've all come on and run brilliant races at the festival. Altior put up his best performance ever, yeah. he beat Min. Um, and Santini ran perfectly well last year. Like, I think he had actually a bit more trouble with preparation than, 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 than most. Um, so she, she, she's about couldn't put anyone off back. No, I, I wouldn't be a Penton Hills fan, aside from the thing where he, he seems to need to come very, very late, which is always difficult to execute. Um, I just don't think he has the form. Darver Star would have a bit of a life. So you're giving all sorts of bit. Silius Emery is one now. If the ground came up really soft, would have a bit of a chance. But like, I'm happy enough for Super Sunday. It's sounding great after the event, but Epitant, you know, is not a bad price at all. It's at seven two. But can you put anyone off anything in this race? Um, probably not. If somebody came up to you and said, "Tony, I really fancy Sharjah for the Champion Hurdle," could you put me off? 
I'd say to you, I'd say to you, he took a big walk in the betting beforehand, and sometimes Mullins horses have a habit of coming on from from the Irish Champion Hurdle and proving their their, their Leopardstown form completely wrong. And also, I thought he got a f- funny ride. Funny isn't right. What he got? He got a ride that was atypical of him in that he sat, you know, toward a fort, whereas in all his good performances, he's been dropped out and come with a later on. Yeah. I don't think that particularly suited him. I think he was trying, Paddy was probably trying to cover um, Honeysuckle because she was a two and a half mile coming down and trip. Didn't really work out because it didn't suit his horse. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why he may, may about back the form. But again, obviously, stuff that is, is a concern for him. For those who took your advice, don't know if you know this, Tony, you've got a big following. A lot of people followed you in and now he's just a little bit too short for my liking. Epitant has the standout piece of form. Nikki was making the point that she was one of the horses who was badly affected by the flu jab and that that's the reason that he thinks she didn't run to form like a lot of his other horses. It's not a fantastic race and she does have the standout piece of form and the 7-2 to two with Betfair is... Thank you very, very much. I'll take a little bit more of that. Yeah, just touching on the on the, the whole equine flu malarkey. This is like, as tends to be the case with trainers making excuses for horses who disappoint. This has been put forward after the event. Um, Nikki Henderson went into the Cheltenham Festival last year convinced that Epitome was an absolute certainty. Um, and it's only when she, when she disappointed that he put forward the theory that maybe she wasn't 100% right. And he said, you know, there are a few of our horses who were well beaten um, at the meeting who just never, never really performed as she was one of them. And therefore, I'm inclined to blame it on something that was out of my control. I don't buy that, to be perfectly honest. But in saying that, I don't rule her out at all based on what she did last year. It's it's one run. People always want to be able to be definitive about things. And you can't, the whole thing about betting is that you can't be definitive about a lot of stuff. You've got to take a view uh, and decide, you know, whether it's value or not to do that. So she was very disappointing in that last year. That's her only run at Cheltenham, her only run at an undulating track. She's been impressive this season, um, particularly in the Christmas hurdle. She'd be one of the market leaders if she wasn't getting a seven pound alliance. And that obviously makes her look very interesting indeed. The question is whether she is enough of a stayer to win a champion hurdle. And when there is a big field in the champion, it tends to be more of a test of stamina. Um, You tend to get more of an end-to-end gallop. You know, it's difficult to find a, a position to sit in, ideally. You've got to work a little bit harder to get track position. And what we know about her is that she's got a lot of tactical speed. She says she's a slick jumper with tactical speed, but that tends to be shown off better in a smallish field and indeed in, in, in quicker conditions. So that's a slight question mark, as is her lack of experience overall. You know, she's she's again been put away after um, after winning the Christmas hurdle. Everyone's making excuses for her last season that she was, you know, she was very inexperienced coming into the Mayor's Novice. Well, she's even more inexperienced in relative terms than the champion, isn't she? Because the Mayor's Novice was full of, inexper- it was virtually won by a newcomer. Yeah. A horse who'd never so, jumped to hurdle. In, in public was second exactly so I mean everyone was inexperienced coming into that whereas most of the horses in the champion hurdle have been there and done it and have, have got experience at the track got plenty of experience at grade one company she's proven she can win in grade one company um, but I'd be worried about her profile overall so who appeals to you then well no one really appeals I mean that's the thing about this race you, you have to decide which horse worth taking a chance on even though you know its limitations and for me that's going to be largely about price there are a fair number I can give chances Silos Emery I put I've had to do a, um, a, a preview of the big races in the Irish field uh, the supplements out this weekend so I put out Silos Emery and I think you know if he's the worry with him is that he's been chasing and therefore you know he needs to he needs to adjust his jumping his jumping wasn't ideal last time but he's coming off a fall over fences and i think 
the outing and the schooling he'll have had between that and and the champion itself will allow him to adjust his jumping. He was a very very good novice. He was he was only just shy of champion hurdle class anyway um, when they decided to send him over fences. So I think he's he's very interesting. I don't like Pentland Hills. I find it hard to believe how much love there is for Pentland Hills. I don't understand um, it. It's yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre that he's so short. Um, what the hell is going on? People will say things like, "Yeah, but look at the Triumph Hurdle. The Triumph Hurdle was a dreadful race. It was a horrible race." Yeah. And, and God, the, the horse who would have won it, God rest him, the poor thing, he would have bowled yeah. it up. Uh, and the point I always make about the Triumph Hurdle is the reason we don't get five-year-olds winning the Champion Hurdle on regular on a regular basis. I know we've just had one. Is that there is a massive gap in class between a very good juvenile and a very good um, two-mile hurdler. And, and a lot of horses do make that jump, but they're either exceptional or they take a couple of years to find mm. the requisite improvement. And I think it's very, very hard for your typical ex-flat five-year-old to be competitive. And the narrative that he was brilliant last spring and he's been below form this year, but he just needs better condition. He's run as well this season as he did last season. Yeah, he's been found out in the better races, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's the way it seems to me. You can certainly make a case for, uh, in the Haydock race, he was he was getting lumps of weight from Cornerstone Lad. And on the back of that, he he traded briefly at 7-2 for this race and Cornerstone Lad was 50s. Uh, actually, bigger than that. Was, uh, was matched at 75, I think, on, on Betfair later that day. Uh, I looked at the market in the evening and I thought, this is absolutely bonkers. The horse who came out best at the weights is trading at 20 times the price. <laughs> bonkers. So Cornerstone Lad at 33s so or 40s or, or you know whatever price it's going to be, uh, he's an interesting one. Um, I think it's going to be difficult to make all the running in this, which is what he wants to do. But he's young and inexperienced in, in a good way in that he's he's broken through. He's won a grade one this season. Yes, you can you can knock that to some degree, but of course he beat Silver Street there. He beat Lady Buttons, and then he's given weight to both Ballyandy and to Pentland Hills at Haydock and run really really well. As I said, he came out the best horse of that race, and people are putting up Ballyandy for the for the Champion Hurdle. You would have to have Cornerstone Lad ahead of Ballyandy. Yeah. Pricing this up, I think. Unsexy stable, but he's done, you know, he's going from strength to strength, Cornerstone Lad, and you've seen more bonkers results than that. He's gone cold in the market at the moment, but people have been raving about the likes of Not So Sleepy, who's running the Bedford Hurdle you can completely ignore. But he was running out, winning a handicap before Mark of 127 two starts ago. And people are talking him up for this. Cornerstone Lad's a proper 159 horse and getting no love from anyone at all. So I, I would not put you off backing him um, at the prices. Um, and the other one I'm coming around to at the prices as well on the back of a disappointing performance is Call Me Lord who I think will be really well suited by an end-to-end gallop at this trip I agree um, did he win did he, Rory did he win the, what, it, what was the Beulet in spite he, of the gallop yeah rather than because of it. That's what I thought. I thought, yeah, one in spite of it, yeah. Um, and the issue with him before that was that he'd won left-handed in in France, but he'd ended up on the outside rail both times. They were concerned that he wouldn't handle that kind of try. I thought he handled the try perfectly well when he won the international. I thought he, he was value for more than the bare result of beating Ballyandy. And then he got involved. I thought he got a poor ride at Ascot when he was beaten by If the Cap Fits in the Ascot Hurdle in November. And I thought he got a poor ride again when he was beaten by Kel Destan last time out. He's the kind of horse who seems to lull his jockeys into dropping their hands on him, if you see what I mean. I think this is the kind of horse who just wants to be going at top, top speed all the time. And if you watch him at both Ascot and Sandown, you get the impression Nico de Boinville first time round and Darrell Jacob second time were convinced that he was hacking up, but he doesn't quicken. So they've gone, I'm going better than these, I've got them covered. And they sort of drop their hands on his withers 
and think I'll just let him get a breather and then I'll ask him to quicken and he's not been able to quicken either time whereas in an, in an 18-runner champion hurdle where they go hell for leather he won't need to quicken he'll just he'll just be staying on up the hill and we know he stays two and a half miles um, so I can see him at the very least hitting the frame at a, at a price What do you make of the fact that Daryl is going to ride Fossil Raffles? I, I would ride I'm delighted quite frankly Because <laughs> James Bowen won on Call Me Lord at Cheltenham it may very well mean he, that we'll also get a bigger price on here and he, He's a hungry jockey and he will he believe in this horse you know Darrell was beaten on last time out it'd be easy enough for him to get back on him and think he's not that good with a horse like this who's a bit of an outsider I'd rather a young jockey rode and we thought I can win this champion hurdle on this horse and really try to do something different. That would um, that would make him appeal to me at the prices. I'm not suggesting he's he you know he's rock solid each way or whatever. I just think he's one of those in there that there is the potential for something different than you've seen so far. I can completely see the logic. I could even make a case that Petit Mouchoir would be a decent each way uh, bet and, here. And again, the other thing that we talked about how bad a race it is in terms of the of the official ratings of those in it. He's one of the few in the race whose whose official handicap mark is thoroughly justified because he's been running in handicap. Mm. of huge marks you know um, third third in the uh, in the Imperial Cup last year to, to Malaya of a mark of 160 shows that he really is a 160 horse and there aren't many of those in this race I know he's won seven now because he's been dropped for his last run but that's um, I don't think he's deteriorated this year I think he's as good as he ever was Tony you love in running chaos and mayhem on the Bedford Exchange Penland Hills has been 101 and 1.03 in running in his two runs this season is that right? Oh god is he, is he, he's gone that short has he? Yeah I'd, I'd well believe it um, just look that you can see the way he's travelled through through the two definitely the last day anyway the way he's travelled through the two I'd, I'd well believe that yep. can't believe he's 5 to Oh, it's absolutely um, bonkers. Um, so final selections in the champion hurdle. It's epitant for me, Tony. I'll just stick with Super Sunday. Rory. I'll go Call Me Lord. Let's do the epitant Call Me Lord Super Sunday trifecta. And we'll see you all in Dubai. And the combination forecast as well. Happy or preferably days. not at the moment. Well, uh, actually, yeah. Can we rephrase that? Uh, we'll see you all in Barbados. Somewhere next. If you haven't read the article in The Guardian, I strongly recommend that you do. I retweeted it yesterday. Okay, the Mayor's Hurdle is a proper matchup. Benny de Dieu is favourite. On the exchange, you can currently get... As my MacBook just completely freezes up. Thanks a bunch. I shouldn't have updated it just yet to the new software. 1.71 uh, Benny 3.4 Honeysuckle 13 Stormy Ireland and 16's the rest nicely done Tony Keenan bailing me out there right Benny did you she would have won this race by a country mile last year had it not been for that tumble at the last this is the right race for her she wins Tony yeah I think she probably will win I'm not really rushing the back already at 11 I'm not really rushing the back um, Honeysuckle either Benny's a hell of a horse uh, as a lot of people have said she probably didn't get the credit for what she did in France last year, but when she came back and won the Galway in a very good, very good time. Um, really does what he does here. Like, but that said, I wouldn't be a, a massive knocker of honeysuckle. She just keeps winning. She's better at this trip than she was over the two miles. To a credit, she probably made a move a bit sort of inefficiently uh, as the race went the last time or seven. Petty Mouchoir kicked on early enough. Just one thing I would flag out if you're looking for a betting interest in this, I'm not particularly charging into a bet here um, uh, in the state market. Like, um, there are sort of four to be placed markets on the exchange and possibly five to be placed markets and there will be sort of without two markets I'm kind of interested in Elfiel there she ran very ran sorry not very well would be stretched 
she ran quite well in, in the in the down run last year when she was six to Eglantine decide. Just looking at the trip was a bit um sharp for her and she seemed to improve then after that second to only suckle fairy house and then was able to handle the two males very well in Punchestown and it has just improved again this year. One reason we went towards a bit disappointing behind Stormy Ireland at Christmas because she was given a little bit too much to do there. It had to come from a long way back and then but have a, a very good performance the last day to beat um Black Tears and, and Lorene and obviously Lorene is not what she was, but she was given uh, six pounds to Black Tears who'd won a, a quite a competitive handicap before that so yeah I can see her getting into the, the, the three or four here at a little bit of a price um, obviously you would imagine that the two places are booked for the, the two short ones but I wouldn't be just as keen on Roxana she's sort of the third or fourth favourite she hasn't been in great form this season I, I don't think she's been sure of last year I just don't think she's been in as good a form last year and yeah, respect Stormy Ireland, but I think there's a little bit of scope with Elfie yet. Can you just double check something for me, Tony? Seeing as you've got yeah. your, your computer in front of you. Is Elfiel currently trading at 45.0 on the exchange? She is, she is, she is yeah, for, but it, it, it's for nothing. It's, it's for no money. So, you know, maybe someone thinks she's not running or something. Or maybe she, I know she, she was in handicaps at one point. Whether she's still well, there now is another thing. Well, she um, is running. So, um, she is. She's not, no. The only race she's left in the mare. So, I, I imagine if all is well, she, she's going here. She, she is running. And whatever this small amount of money is, I'm going to take that. Thank you very much as Rory gives us his thoughts so to sum up Benny Didio for both of us Tony we think she's going to win but in terms of placing a bet you're interested in place bet or bet yeah, without the favourite yeah I'll feel in, in, the, in the extra markets uh, which, which there will be on, the, on Tuesday yeah plenty of those on the bet for exchange or, or just back her to place 45.0 for a win Rory uh, the only thing I take issue there with there is is um, Tony's assertion that Roxana is not as good as she was last season I thought she was um, I thought she was as good as ever when second to Somerville boy last time out um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed with her Rory I actually backed her that day and I thought she was going to win it nearly and that's just a little bit disappointed with her finish and everything she's a little bit below Whoa. you think she's you think she's at roughly the same level I think um, yeah I think Somerville some boy I think is a, is a very decent horse given his um, uh, if he's allowed to to dictate which he was there and it turned into a bit of a sprint finish I know he's aimed at the um, at the stairs hurdle he's got a decent finishing kick as we've seen before and I think she's just lacked the, the, the speed of him in the finish I think it's decent enough for him um, William Henry's won since Kel Destan's won since Emma Tom's won impressively. The forms worked out really well from that race. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I think she's, you know, and, and strictly speaking, you know, she was she probably didn't run to that level that she won this race last year. So and she's been aimed at it the entire time since. It's always always been the um, the aim for her. So I, I don't think she beats um, either of the top two. But if you're talking about trifectas, I think this is a, a reasonably straightforward one. I think she'll be um, she'll be hitting the frame as well. Uh, I'd have her well ahead of um, Elfiel personally but yeah hard to get away from Benny Didier quotes from Mullen that she's possibly the greatest Mary's ever trained is quite something Benny Didier wins from the three of us I'd respect Stormy Ireland and I wouldn't be at all surprised if it plays out that Benny Didier beats either her stablemate Stormy Ireland or Elfiel maybe things will get a little bit too hot for Honeysuckle the handicap chase for novices on the bet for exchange Imperial Aura heads the betting at 5.7 and uh, Galvin talked up by quite a few 8.25 on Betfair currently 7-1 to one for Gordon Elliott so Rory take the lead here interesting isn't it that Kim Bailey's got two favourites on the first day of the Cheltenham Festival I know Kim Bailey you know, would have a lot of big winners going back um, 20 years and so on but what would his recent record be like Rory at the meeting I can't recall him having all that many recent winners yeah he does, in fairness he doesn't throw a huge number of, of runners at the, the festival um, of these days he used to be one of the most powerful stables in the country of course won the champion hurdle the gold cup the grand national back in the day and he's been training for a long time Kim but um, since the last 20 years his only winner at the festival has been Darna who won the um, 
the festival played at 33 to 1 about five years ago. It's good to see Kim with a couple of favourites at the festival again. Um, one of the longest serving trainers around there, but there's no great recent success for the yard. Is that another reason to go against Vindication and indeed Imperial no, Aura at the head of the betting? Not really, no. I mean, you know, if, if you want to back horses on the basis that you want to find trainers with a very good record at the festival recently, then, you know, you'll start looking at those. Um, horses are only favourites for, for uh, handicaps at the festival if they've shown their form there already. And Kim Bailey wouldn't, despite the fact he trains very, you, you tend to um, to pass his schooling fences on the way into Cheltenham if you're coming from the um, uh, from the east, and he trains pretty close to the track. But despite that, you know he, he wouldn't he wouldn't send that many horses uh, racing to Cheltenham. And he's he's only had uh, maybe half a dozen winners at the track in the last. 15 or 20 years you know Kim's more than happy to, to take them where he wants and a lot of it we have this with, with a number of his decent horses in, in recent years that they've done their winning, winning at right handed tracks and the question is with some of them whether they're capable of, of showing that form going, um, going left handed but in this race um, he's got the favourite who's who's won twice at the track this season, Imperial Imperial Aura uh, a run, he was a, a winner of a handicap last time a 12 runner race um, having he essentially had a school round at Fakenham when he was long odds on um, for that it was his chase debut and um, his main rival fell his only rival fell so he basically literally schooled around Fakenham but he, he got a fair bit of experience here last time out and that's largely why he's um, he's prominent in the betting for this but we know this is one of the toughest handicaps at the festival very very small weight range so who looks to you to have been plotted for this race? oh half of them have <laughs> Um, and I'm not, I'm not really interested. And I, I like I like to try to find the problem with finding horses who have been plotted up is by definition people have been second guessing that already, and they are short prices. Mm. Um, and that's, that doesn't really appeal to me. I, I want to look for horses that I think will will cope well with the um, the demands of the race and are priced accordingly. Um, rather than you know thinking what's what's well uh, treated here. Nicky Henderson was talking up his horse today, Precious Cargo. Um, who I think he was he was in the Oracle um, and he's, he's confirmed that he runs here and Nicky thinks he'll improve enormously for a step up to two and a half miles um, his, his runs so far this season have come at Sam um, 2 he was um, third to Rouge Vif and the Kingmaker last time out by Yates out of a classic cliche mare he will improve a chunk for stepping up two and a half miles and he probably won three in time to be perfectly honest the horse that I liked for this um, going back aside from Beekstein was Hold the Note but Mick Shannon then he had a really he had a, a mark of 133 he needed to win an egg and spoon race somewhere to sneak into the weights for this and he ran him in a grade 2 at Warwick which he might have won but for just being outstayed by 2 for gold he travelled best in the race he traded 6 on in running and ended up being beaten half a length by a stronger stayer that rather let the cab out of the bag and he's got £12 for that run but at least he still gets in the race so yeah. if he got up to 146 um, 145 won't necessarily stop him I know Mick thinks an awful lot of him which is why I stuck him in that in that grade too but it feels like a, a missed opportunity if you're not going to win a graded race and you're going to take a massive hike in the weights you need to do something but Mick's done well in this in this race um, in the past, he got a similar profile to Mr. Whitaker, who won it two years ago. Um, he was running in the same race, that Kempton race. Um, Mr. Whitaker had run in it um, two years previously as well. And he was very unlucky at Kempton. He was traveling really well. 
when he was stopped in his tracks by a faller in front of him and he was pulled up immediately by Tom Scudamore and then Johnny Burke rode him when he when he was second at Warwick and Johnny Burke is jocked up again he'd be on my shortlist but he's 8-1 to one. you know everyone's seen that form last time right? they know how good it is and I don't want to suggest that Mick Shannon isn't shrewd but a shrewder trainer would have got this horse in at the bottom of the weights and yet he's in at the top of the weights that's I put you off a little bit in which case who are you going to side with Galvin of course another one who's been well punted in the last couple of days who catches the eye the, the other horse I'll mention him again here because I mentioned him uh, on our last uh, preview Paint the Dream was 50s when, when uh, we looked at this last week with Andrew Mount and I think he's quite interesting based on his second in the dipper um, which you know it's slightly dubious form but it's 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 good enough obviously Champ would have won that race but for falling mm. but he ends up finishing second to, to Midnight Shadow um, having been given a um, well he led early on but he was then a, he was shuffled back in the field and Connor Brace who rode him was, was basically just schooling him round at the back of the field when it all fell apart in front and he'd run on really strongly to get second he ran appallingly back and trip at Ludlow last time out I didn't expect him to win that he was favourite for it but given that he would have been on the cusp of um, uh, the top of the weights here winning another race could have adversely affected his chances so if you put a line through that and you decide that there's no uh, there's nothing to see there I think he's interesting and 25 to 1 is still interesting enough but you get a bigger price on the exchange about him Yes, a much bigger price on the exchange. Is there anything here, Tony, that interests you? I, I did actually, when I was going through the, the horses for the National Hunt Chase, uh, that whole note I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah, he, he travelled like the best horse and just didn't really see it out um, in the Warwick race. And I know what Rory's saying, like, he, he's gone up and he's now one for five. But do you know what? Geez, I'd nearly take the chance on the horses as the graded form when there's only going to be six to eight pounds max seven pounds probably covering the lot of them but Rory does make a good point there again that the horse actually did, in the, for the same connection missed the way to go Champagne Court would be my each way selection in the race it's a fascinating race pretty confident though about the last I do like it when a plan comes together carefully selected heads the betting at a top price of seven to four with the sports books you can get bigger on the Betfair exchange and I'm going to keep this real simple here lads and Tony I'm going to start with you to me, this race is made for Patrick Mullins and carefully selected. I think he's one of the best bets of the day. Oh, I don't know, Emmett. I don't know. Don't yuck my yum. Ability-wise, yes. But would you really trust Willie Mullins' sort of jumping out? Willie has had more falls and unseats over fences than any other th- uh, quick run at this since 2010. 22 of them. Paul Nichols is next with 15. I suppose you'd argue Willie's had loads of runners, but like last year he had four falls and unseats. Three out of four, six. Just seemed a lot of his horses to jump badly at the chair. Like, he is this sort of attitude that he has. He, he's not, you know, overly aggressive or he, he doesn't school them all that much. And obviously, results bear out that that is working for him. But this horse is already a bit of a dodgy jumper. Now, has he really looked like falling? Probably not. And he's got a massive ability edge uh, on the rest of these. But I, I, I would worry about his jumping. Albeit that this, uh, you know, I looked at this race a while uh, last week at some stage and I was trying to find a bet. And it's a really weak race and maybe he, he'll be able to get away with making three or four mistakes and, and he'll still be good enough but I just at that price I just don't really want to be back in Willie Mullins horse that he's already shown that he's not a great jumper to jump around three miles six um, around here I do think it's a big ground race um, because Ravenhill he would want better ground uh, you know Gordon said I think going into Listowel for the Kerry Nash and they're worried about the ground from or something that Lord the Menil he would want really really heavy ground and so maybe neither of them are going to have their ground um, Springfield Fox was a horse that, that I'm interested in but I've been reliably informed that, that maybe Mr Noel George may not 
be the jockey for the job he, he, he's an inexperienced sort of a, a fella and Rory will know more about him than I will but again yeah uh, not not a race I'd be uh, I'd be rushing to have a bet in sorry Emmett now if you're mad if you're uncarefully selected at a price good luck do you agree yeah I am thankfully good but good. Th- thanks for yucking my yum thanks for <laughs> Thanks very much. I just think the race has fallen apart for him and will suit Rory. You've been raving about the uh, the favour for most of the season and I I thought carefully Slice would be okay in this race early in the year. I said, you know, you want, you want him as, for the RSA. Yes, he I was do. a million the RSA as far as I was concerned because his jumping, even when he jumped reasonably well on his penultimate start, he was he was just ponderous. And the question is whether he can get away with being ponderous in a race run over three miles six at Cheltenham. And he might well do. And if he does, if he gets in a reasonable rhythm early on and he's a bit slow with his fences, um, that might be fine. Um, and he could end up winning this very easily. But at the same time, even in a race over this trip, and again, this is half the issue with, with um, why they've changed the distance, um, they still go fairly hard. Um, and if you make mistakes, you get yourself in trouble. So that's a big worry for me. I'd probably be leaning towards Lord de Menil in this now. Richard Hobson has boot Sam Wheelie Cohen for the ride. Listen, he ran an absolute cracker off Mark 147 in the Grand National Trial at Haydock last time out. And that reads a lot better than the, the vast majority of the form in this race. Um, I was surprised. Forza Milan's been tipped out. I, I, I remember tipping him in the podcast uh, when he was running, or, you know, mentioning him in the, in the podcast when he was running up against um, uh, Carefully Selected last time out. But, you know, he's a horse who used to be trained by John Joe O'Neill, who thought he might be a National Hunt Chase horse a couple of seasons ago, and then decided to get rid because he wasn't coming up to to, um, to scratch. And if anyone knows what a National Hunt Chase horse is like, it's John Joe O'Neill, because he's been training National Hunt Chase winners since he was, um, you know, uh, fresh out of nappies. Uh, when, he, when he was training up north in in, um, in Cumbria, and he didn't have money, he was, he was getting three or four winners a season. He was still winning the National Hunt Chase for JP. Um, so I can't really, can't really think that John just got Forza Milan so badly wrong that he's going to win the race for somebody else. And there are there are horses who are, who are nowhere near as good as, as Lord de Manila and the ratings are, are similar sort of prices. Another Kim Bailey horse, New Tide. I was just going to ask you about uh, him. Yeah, he's he's done okay this season. He's he's a nice, he's a a proper old fashioned National Hunt Chase horse. Um, he he won a, a little leg and spoon race essentially on his his Chase debut. Um, he was a 130 uh, odd rated hurdler, um, and then he won the um, uh, the Toten last time out. He wouldn't have won that race, um, but for the um, uh, the leader falling at the last, uh, which is which is a real shame. Um, but Newtide, he he jumped really boldly that day. Art Lethony was second. Is a likely runner. I would have thought in the Ultima um, earlier um, on the card here. Um, and Newtide stayed on too strongly for Art Lethen to, to win that by four and a, a quarter lengths in the end. Um, didn't touch the twig. His jumping was very good. Again, his jumping is maybe a little bit too extravagant for shorter trips, um, but it'll, it'll ensure that he um, he stays out of trouble here and he'll stay on really well. So it's you know it could well be that you know Kim Billy's got three decent chances on the first day of Cheltenham to um, to turn his recent fortunes um, massively on their head, um, and any one of those winning for Kim would be. Um, would be a great story so I'd love to see it uh, and he's a danger to me um, but I'll go um, Lord de Neil because you're looking at something blindingly obvious aren't you he's a horse who's, who's um, um, argue, went very close to winning off 147 last time I, over three and a half miles so um, he's he's proven he jumps very well he's proven against decent handicappers and um, uh, we know he stays he'll handle the conditions 
and he's um, you know he's almost a double figure price. It seems crazy in a moderate race. It does, to be fair. Uh, Derek O'Connor, Patrick Mullins, and Jamie Codd have won the race six times between them, two in the last nine years. Thank you, Paul Ferguson, for that stat. Uh, there are more stats available on attheraces.com. Uh, while I am all over, carefully selected, his price continues to contract, and the more I look at New Tide, the more I agree with Barry. And Barry O'Neill has been booked to ride, which is a fantastic booking. So what is your idea of the winner, Mr. Tony Keenan? Yeah, I'm happy to row. Actually, you know, in with Rory and Lord Dominic provide the ground. There is there is a good cut in it. Like, look, he he's really improved this year. Having struggled when he first came to the UK, it's a totally different track. They got all his forms at Haydock, but that that was a hell of an effort the last day. His old form from Tommy Whittle has worked out well. Um, it's just whether he can translate it. But I suppose he's, he is probably a price you can take a chance on. Okay, so that's Lord Demille, and uh, you can get him currently at around about eights. And you can get 10.0 currently on the Betfair Exchange, which brings us nicely along to your lay of the day. Tony Keenan. Oh, lay of the day. Yeah, I know this was sort of common and I don't have an answer. Uh, lay of the day. Let's go with Penton Hills. It's pretty short That's enough, isn't he? He's, he's shorter than he should be, I, I would think. Let me ask you this. Would you play Slam? Definitely. Mm. Yeah, okay, yep. That'll do. Yep, I'd play Slam. <laughs> yeah. I don't think his form. I don't think his form's good enough. It's not place lay for me. Thank you very much, Roy Delargy. You lay the uh, lay the no, actually done. in the in the um, in your Irish field supplements. Um, I've managed to convince uh, my paymasters um, rather than doing a one two three for all the big races and knowing you're going to have non runners in there. I wanted to to put up one I wanted to be with, one I wanted to be against, and an outsider at a price. And Pentland Hills was my force to be against. Excellent. On the first uh, right, you're each way. And again, that would be place lay. Yeah. And you're place laying them as well. Oh, we're all place. We're getting gravy on the bed for exchange or getting. No, what not? Get stuck into carefully selected as well. <laughs> get, to win <laughs> and not to play, not to be no, a place lay. Don't no, you? No, don't again, he'd be, he'd be a, he's a place lay as well. Carefully selected. I'd, I'd much again. He's got that kind of profile. If his jumping stands up okay in the first mile, he will probably win. That's a massive if. And if it doesn't stand up, he won't be finishing second or third. Each way better the day, Tony. Stolen silver if he runs in the Supreme. Rory? And if not, and if not the county. Uh, call me Lord the champion. Stormy Ireland in the mares. And your banker of the day, Tony Keenan. A notebook. Rory Delargy. I don't, I, I don't like the whole concept of... of bankers anyway but if yes and Rory forced- uh, can, I, can I just say something on that I just I would agree with you completely there's an awful lot of this uh, bankers and this and that and, and lads getting hyped up betting and, and various things like that like just uh, I think I've said this before to anyone's listening try and keep your head a bit like, like I was on a preview night the other night and we listened to previews up and down and all this type of stuff and there's phrases like this will not be beaten bankers oh. lay the meeting all this type of stuff like, I, I know it's only a bit of crack but there are people who actually who think that maybe this is the way to bet. Um, it isn't. Keep your head and, you know, like I don't have one nap at the meeting as such. I'm sure Rory's the same or whatever, like various things like that. So just, the whole, yeah, the, the whole banker thing, it, it, just be careful with it is what I'd say. Well said and well worded. So let's change it. Even though Rory did write an article called Banker or Bust. Sorry, Rory. I know, I know, you, I know you're, you're in the same, same, I same lines. You're after saying it. I name the article I was asked exactly, to write. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So we can, we, we can rephrase it. And, and look, Tony makes a very good point and we're being in no way patronizing when we say it, but that people do get carried away at preview nights and are like, ah, oh, this thing can't get beaten. They're not going to be there to belly out if it does. 
If you throw a dog a bone, you don't want to know how it tastes. Do your own thing and still uh, lucky 31s and lucky 63s. We'll be in gravy and we'll see you in Barbados. So your best bet of the day, Rory. Fiddler on the roof in the Supreme. Ooh. Epitant in the champion hurdle for me. I think we've given you a patent there. We have, you know. You can get Tony Keenan's expert insight for all four days of the Cheltenham Festival on the At The Races Cheltenham mega site, And it's all for free, along with you, Taylor, and Simon Rollins. So if all three agree on one particular selection, then... Obviously, don't go completely bonkers, but, you know, go a little bit bonkers. It'll definitely be yours to be backing. Tony, is there anything you can give us to watch out for early on, seeing as this is the first daily podcast to go out? Yes, I, I do like Concert East in the Mayor's Novice Hurdle. Uh, I think she, I still think she's a big price uh, at 12. Second in it last year, coming off a long break. I don't think there's a standout in it this year. I respect Henry's horse as the head of the mark. I just have in my head that she is more of a stayer. And the ideal race for horse at Ferry House at Easter rather than this one. And yeah, I think double figures of Bator is very good. In a race that William Mullen says won every single running of. Correct, yeah. 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 The best of luck for Cheltenham 2020, Tony. It's been brilliant having you back on the podcast. And I know you're an exceptionally busy man, but please God, we'll have you back on the show soon. <laughs> yeah, it's all you ever say I'm busy. I'm busy enough, but no, we'll, we'll, we'll be gone. And hopefully now we'll. We'll try and get, get a couple of winners organised for next week. Please, God. Hopefully, it'll be a great Cheltenham. Uh, fantastic to have you back on the show, my friend. Have a great Cheltenham 2020 and looking forward to reading your stuff on AtTheRaces.com throughout the week. Thank you, Emmett. That is it for our day one preview. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for the kind words on social media as well. From Tony Keenan. Good luck. And have a, and, oh, yes. And one other thing. Enjoy. Like, I, I'd be the worst in the world. I'm sort of talking to myself in this regard. Like, I get all hyped up and I'm busy and I'm doing this study and form and trying to do bets and watch race and this, that and the other try and enjoy it as it's gone on too because it is over very quickly and it, uh, it's a magnificent race and I know people slag off the dilution of four days and all that but it's brilliant there's some brilliant races next weekend the Champion Chase Gold Cup magnificent races um, to come and try to enjoy it it's the best four days of sports of the entire year and you're right just enjoy the moment from Roy Delargy good night and the very best of luck to you and from me Emmett Kennedy thank you so so much for listening hopefully there's a lot of gravy in there for day one day two day three and day four podcasts on the way only without the races and the Betfair Exchange we'll chat to you very very soon thanks so much for listening best of luck God bless it's Cheltenham with the Betfair Exchange it's all leading to the first race on day one and the roar at the off. Bet 20 on the first race. Get a £20 free mobile bet on the Betfair Exchange. Minimum £20 in exchange back bets. Max £20 free bet. Not valid on each way and SP bets mobile only. Excludes anti-post bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Have you downloaded the free app The Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without available for free on your iphone or android mobile visit at forward slash app for more details